Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. Fall migration season is winding down. Unfortunately, it seems like summer just zipped by us, and winter approaches, and I thought this was a perfect time for an episode focused on our resident birds and our winter visitors, and on backyard birding. Birds that you see near your home can be grouped as those that live year-round in your area, what we call resident birds. Those that come to your area to breed in the spring and summer, or breeding birds. Those that breed elsewhere and come to your place in the winter, or winter visitors. Some others just pass through on either spring, fall, or both migrations. In my area, recently golden crown sparrows have just arrived in numbers. and You can hear that weak, kind of funny, odd, call, odd song seems like everywhere. The oh, pre- oh Me Pretty Pretty Me White Crown Sparrow song that we're just singing like crazy, it seems like just the other day, have quieted down and just don't see as many white crown sparrows right now. Some listeners may dismiss backyard birding as not a focus of interest, but I'd suggest that we as a community of birders include more than just a subset of us who travel to see birds and who focus on seeing as many species as we can find. A lot of us have a yard list, and many try to enhance our home's habitat to be bird-friendly. Others put out some sort of feeding station for local birds. I frequently hear from listeners who are casual birders or backyard birders, and this episode is especially for them. On this episode, my my guest is Tammy Poppy, an avid backyard bird feeder advocate and a source of information. Last winter was a big eruption year for northern finches. We had big flocks of pine siskins, good numbers of common red pole and red crossbills, and other northern finches in our area. Along with this, though, came an outbreak of salmonella that's easily spread at places birds congregate, like bird feeders. Experts recommended taking down our feeders last winter to reduce the spread of salmonella. How should we be cleaning our feeders to reduce this risk, and what's the best, best way to manage our feeders in this regard? Window collisions are another big source of bird mortality, and feeders can certainly play a role in that. You can find out a lot more about this specific topic on this podcast episode number 126 with Dr. Daniel Clem. We talk a bit about it, though, today with Tammy. Bird rehabilitation is another topic of interest to a lot of people. What should I do with an injured bird, and how can I find a local resource for help? Listen on, you'll find more about that. But on episode 55, I talked with Susie Gilbert an author and a bird rehabber, and just an overall fun person to talk to. So if you have any interest in bird rehabilitation, check out Bird Banter Podcast episode 55 with Susie Gilbert. Well, getting on with today's episode, Tammy and I talk about all of these subjects and a lot more. I hope you'll enjoy the Bird Banter Podcast episode with Tammy Poppy. Tammy, thanks for doing the podcast with me today. How are you this morning? I am terrific. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tammy, you mentioned that you're from Wisconsin. I have one memory only of birding in Wisconsin. My wife Kay and I were traveling across the country with our five-month-old newborn, uh, and we're leaving. I was getting out of the army, traveling out here to start my job, and we were making many beautiful breastfeeding stops as we came across the country. And on one of these stops, while Kay's feeding Jean, I wandered around and found a bird. I had no idea what it was on a wire. And uh, I, I was a really novice birder, and I knew that this bird was something different, but I really didn't know what it was. 
Turns out that I thought it was a dick thistle. Uh, I described the bird to Kay, and she was more experienced birder than I was at the time. She said, oh, it was probably a baby meadowlark or something. And we started driving, and I uh, looked it up in the book, and I said, oh, my God, Kay, it was a dick thistle. She says, no, we got to go back. So I went back, tried to look for the bird, never found it. But I, I got my life dick thistle while Kay was nursing Jean. So fond memories and a chuckle we had for years uh, over birding in Wisconsin. Anyway, uh, well, welcome to the show. Timmy, you are, I want to say, a, an expert or a specialist or uh, an advisor in uh, bird feeding and backyard birding. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, that's a fair summary. I um, Much of it is my own experience. I actually hung my first feeder out more than 25 years ago, which I'm not afraid to admit. <laughs> um, but since that time, you know, I've always been interested in birds. Um, and I'll be honest, until recently, I've not really paid as much attention um, back then as I do now. Um, I started a, a content site um, on thefeeder.com. And when I'm writing articles or researching information, I am learning so much. It's, it's like the perfect job for me because I'm always wanting to learn. Um, I'm very interested in, you know, backyard birding and nature in general. So it enables me to just dig deeper and be more aware in my own backyard. Um, you know, I'm finding birds that were probably there all along, but I just didn't really pay any attention to it. So um, it's really cool. I, I, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy researching, writing, and sharing with my audience. So that's cool. You know, a lot of my audience is birders. And, and I think most of us who, who have a, a residence, especially a home with a yard, uh, have feeder setups. And, and some of us take that really seriously and try to do the best job we can. And others, you know, kind of do it casually, don't think too much about it. And, and I think especially in recent years, all of us struggle with the dilemma of wanting to have a feeder so we can watch birds in our yard and the, all of the issues that go with that, doing it well, not ignoring the birds, uh, trying to avoid disease and window strikes and all of the cats and all of the, the hazards that, uh, that, you know, we might be making worse with it, with feeders. So how do you kind of put all that to balance? What's, what's the best practices? Well, I like to keep it fun. I, I enjoy backyard birding because it's fun and it's enjoyable and I don't really, you know, I don't feel compelled to do much of anything. Um, as far as like keeping a list of the birds that I've seen, I know a lot of people enjoy doing that. Um, probably more hardcore birders. I don't do that. I, I started to, but then I'm like, I don't really care that much. I just want to enjoy and experience them when they visit my yard or as I'm learning about them, you know, I don't really uh, document them, but along the way, as I'm providing information to my audience, that information they they're wanting to know um, and information that they don't necessarily know, but they should know. Um, I've just, I've learned so much about window strikes, for example, um, and being a responsible birder. So in other words, keeping your feeders and your bird baths clean. Admittedly, it's not something I ever did initially because I just didn't know. Um, but, you know, the more we know about the spreading of certain diseases amongst the birds, 
especially recently, avian flu has been, um, you know, in, in the news quite a bit. And people want to know about that. Um, you know, how does this affect me? How should I make sure that I'm not spreading that disease um, to other birds? So I've discovered along the way that we need to keep our feeders clean. That is like the number one thing. People don't realize how filthy and disgusting their feeders really are. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I'll be on a forum or uh, Facebook or something and somebody will share a bird picture and I'll be just be like, oh my God, that feeder is disgusting. I'm not even looking at the bird. I'm just noticing, uh, you know, and I don't think people do it purposely. It's just one of those things you just don't know. And so that's kind of my mission is to educate people on things they don't know about backyard birding, but should know. So how, what does it take to keep a feeder clean? How often do you have to clean it? What do you, do you use bleach? What do you do? Do you just scrub it off? Uh, and, and what kind of feeders are, so I've got a couple of feeders that I, I swear it's be impossible to clean. They're just yeah. wires everywhere. So how do you, what's Amy, how do I do that? Yeah. So I like to say when you're shopping for a bird feeder, um, find one that's easy to clean. And that typically means something that's non-porous. There's a lot of wooden bird feeders out there. Um, I don't buy wooden bird feeders simply because they're, they're just not as easy to clean and they take forever to dry when you do clean them. Um, so the guidance from the CDC and other professional organizations is to clean your feeders every couple weeks um, and to really effectively clean them, obviously you need to like scrape off all the, the built up feces or leftover seeds, um, you know, chunks of seeds that eventually get moldy. So you brush all that stuff off and, you know, get it as clean as you can that way. I like to hose mine off also. I do all this outside. Um, and I have a five gallon bucket that I fill with a bleach solution and it's pretty diluted. It's like a one to nine uh, water or bleach to water ratio. So you dip your feeder in there for 10 minutes, let the bleach do its thing, um, hose it off, get it rinsed. I over rinse mine just because I'm, um, I'm a little nervous about putting bleach smelling feeders out there. Right. So I just really overly rinse them. And that's really it. Um, that takes care of all the germs and disease. Um, and I think the first time that people, wash their feeder properly they're amazed to see mold in there you know what i mean if you see anything black in there obviously that's mold um an uneaten bird seed will clump together and create mold and things like that so um you know it's it's not a difficult task to do i actually put it on my calendar to make sure that i get get that done um but yeah it's it's not difficult most people don't know about it though so i try to spread the word. So when you, when you, uh, clean your feeders, do you try to have them be empty or do you reuse the seed, the center? Do you toss the seed? If there's some leftover, what do you do about that? I wait until it's empty. I wait until it's empty. And I purposely don't put out a ton of seed at a time because, um, you know, unless it's in an enclosed, uh, container that can't get rained on or doesn't, or the humidity doesn't reach it. Um, my favorite style of feeder is actually a platform feeder. Mm -hmm. um, so the platform feeder is great because you can put any type of bird food on it. 
um, any type of seed or nuts, or you can even break up suet and put it out there. And you're allowed or you're enabled to attract all sorts of different species, which I think is cool. And I only put out, you know, a couple of handfuls a day, or excuse me, every other day. So I don't want the seed to accumulate and build up um, for that reason. So yeah, I think choosing your bird feeder initially really is is the key to easily cleaning your feeders. Sure. So if somebody wants to get into feeding, you'd suggest starting with a platform feeder and maybe a suet feeder or something like that? Yeah, that's my suggestion, the platform feeder. Um, it's, it's so easy. Like I said, you can toss anything out there. Um, and it attracts the widest variety of species. And that's what we all want, right? We want to see different birds um, interacting at the feeder. With that said, I do have uh, finch feeders also that hold the thistle. Um, mm -hmm. I've not really seen many finches eating thistle in my platform feeders. So they like to hang upside down on the, the fencing part of it. So really just those two feeders are really all you need to get started. So, uh, so keep your feeders clean. How do you address the window strike issue? I, I had a guest, uh, uh, Dr. Daniel Clem on, who's like 50 years of research on glass strikes by birds. He's kind of like the guru of that. Yeah. And, and, and I learned some kind of stuff that I never would have thought about with him. He said that, uh, you know, obviously you can put stuff in front of your windows to keep birds so they don't, it doesn't look like a place to fly into. But short of that, he thought, He's recommended putting your feeders near your windows. You have less than a meter from the windows so that birds don't get up the velocity to hurt themselves when they hit the windows. And anything farther than that away was more dangerous. I, I never would have thought about that. Do you do you try to do that? or? Yeah. And honestly, that interview was enlightening for me. I was amazed at the data, the numbers. 44% of bird collision deaths are a result from residential homes. Yeah. That shocked me. Um yeah, so before the interview, before hearing his interview, I would have said, place your feeders in a safe distance, which is within three feet from your window or mm -hmm. beyond 30 feet, because right. that's the guidance that I have, that the experts were saying. It is. Um, and still saying, I don't know that they've said anything different, but I've not delved that deeply into it. And so... I guess from my perspective, I have so many questions. I, I 100% believe and appreciate all the research that he's done. Yeah. I'm very analytical, so I need more data. I need to dig deeper. You know, I just, I there's more I want to understand about it so that I can provide solutions to my audience that um, are practical and something they're actually going to do. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so with that, I think it makes sense within three feet of the window. One question I have that, you know, maybe I'll have to reach out to Dr. Clem, but I mean, when birds are feeding in nature, mm -hmm. they, they could be anywhere in your yard. Sure. And you really can't control that, right? Unless you remove all vegetation, which who would want to do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just, I just have so many other questions about yeah. that. It's just really yeah. fascinating and uh, horrible, horrible numbers to hear yeah. about. I think his point was that, you know, w with putting a feeder set up, uh, you know, three yards from your or window or what in your yard, you're attracting more birds to be closer to the to the threat of the windows rather than just the natural number of birds that might come into the yard. I think that was his point. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I, 
you know, for me, it's, it's not practical to have feeders within three feet, three feet of my house. I mean, I, it's just not happening. I mean, I don't have any practical way to do that. I mean, yeah, you know, it's just not, not realistic. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I think uh, coming up with some sort of way to make my windows look less, uh, less like mm-hmm. a clear glass and more like a thing to avoid is probably the trick. Yeah, he did mention a, a new type of glass that they're manufacturing that I don't remember the details about it, but essentially prevented the birds from wanting to crash into the windows. Um, yeah, it was pretty but, cool. It, it was a it was a glass that uh, birds can see in the ultraviolet range, uh, and it was a glass made with uh, a hash mark in the ultraviolet range that birds see that people don't. It's pretty cool concept, and and I guess there's a couple of companies, one in Canada and maybe another one doing that. But it's it's like, I, will that ever become the the norm? Boy, that's a, that's a, a wishful thinking. I, 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 I don't know, but it. I mean, if I can't see what they're seeing. I'm fine with that. Oh you yeah, know, I am, I'm fine with cool. that too. But I'm fine with that too. But is it gonna, you know, the at, are all window makers gonna adopt that technology? Right. Seems like yeah. seems like a stretch. I do think that we can be proactive, especially in the springtime. Birds are more active, more actively, you know, trying to fight themselves in their reflection in the window in mm-hmm. the window during springtime, because you know, they're breeding, they're, they're pairing off and mating, and they're very aggressive during those times. So I think during spring, and maybe even into um, summer, we can put up decals, those are very effective as well. And some of them are pretty attractive, you know, yeah, bird, I bird agree. decals. Mm-hmm. Anything is better than nothing, I suspect. Sure. Good. Uh, so you have a website, and it basically uh, looks like it's uh, almost anything you'd want to know about bird feeding uh, and mm-hmm. a lot more, really. Uh, tell me about your website and how people can make use of that. Sure. Um, my website is called On the Feeder, and it's at onthefeeder.com. I initially started out educating people on how to attract certain species to their yard, and it was more than just hanging out a feeder. Um, I'm a huge proponent of uh, planting natural vegetation, um, trees, you know, shrubs that produce berries, flowers um, to attract the birds. Plus it's cheaper, you know, it's one and done. You you pay for the plant, you plant it and it continues, you know, year after year. So that's one topic that I talk about. I also talk about, um, you know, FAQs that people have about certain things, random things. So you can get information like that on my site as well. I'm in the process of putting together a get started guide, get started with backyard bird feeding, um, where I'll kind of navigate them through the site in a more of a, a logical pattern. You know, first, this comes first, um, you know, answer questions about how long does it take for the birds to become, you know, attracted to a new feeder and things along those lines. I also have a wildlife uh, rescue directory that I actually created that's on my website. Um, so if you see a bird that's injured or looks sick, that's a amazing resource, if I may say so, um, where you can just go plug in your zip code and you'll get a listing of licensed rehabbers in your area. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the, the website is constantly evolving. I'm constantly pivoting because I, I want to educate people. I want to teach them how to be responsible backyard birders. But also I want to answer the questions that they want to know about. So I spend a lot of time researching 
Google and what people are asking about. And um, so there's always new information out on the site. Yeah. I Do you have any experience with bird rehab personally or just have resources to that? I don't have any personal experience. Thankfully, I've not encountered any of that. But I spend a lot of time in forums and people are constantly looking for help with birds that they found. Um, it doesn't look right. It's, you know, it's on the ground. It's not moving. It's, you know, it looks like its feather is broke or whatever. What should I do? Yeah, so, the, those are cool questions. I, I had a guest, Susie Gilbert, on the show, way long, episode 55, way long ago. She's a bird rehabber. Uh, oh. And she's she's written two books. One book was, is kind of a uh, self-depreciatory sort of book where she goes through her story of how she developed a bird rehab center at her home and the amazing chaos that that entailed. And the other is kind of a novel called Unflappable. That's a, it, it's a story of a, a bald eagle. It was stolen. I, I can't read it a while ago, but it's just kind of a, one of these crazy novels, but uh, for people interested in birds, it was, it, it just was fun. So that's those, wonderful. That, so, but she's uh she was incredibly knowledgeable about bird rehab. She knew all kinds of stuff. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm amazed at rehabbers. I mean, I couldn't do it. I just don't, I don't have that, the background for it. Um, and really my strengths lie elsewhere, but thankfully mm -hmm. there are people out there that, that do that. Um, so I just want to make it really easy for people, but yeah, in the forums. And one of the very common questions on the forum is, I found a baby bird. What should I do? And, you know, baby birds are all fluffy and cute and you have to resist the instinct to go scoop it up. So I also write articles about that. I, I have a guide within um, my website that talks about what to do when you find a baby bird, because nine times out of 10, you do nothing. They are doing what they're supposed to be doing in nature. It may look like they need help, but you know, depending on their age and certain circumstances, they probably are just learning to fly. They probably just fledged. Um, parents are nearby and you can actually do more harm than good um, if you just, you know, yeah. just leave them alone. And and honestly, even if they're not not going to make it on their own, they're, you're probably not going to help them make it. You know, it's pretty hard to rescue a baby bird whose parents can't feed it, you know, or, or parent. Yeah. Anyway. I, yeah. I agree. Let nature yeah. take its course is often the best, uh, best approach, be that the outcome you want or not. Exactly. Good. So I've got a question about consistency in feeding. You know, I, 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 uh, these days I'm retired and, you know, winters when I feed primarily, you know, feed the birds in the summer, you know, they're not that interested and there's plenty of food around, but I like to travel in the winter. It's I live in near Seattle. It rains all the time here. You know, so <laughs> get, getting out of here when I can in the winter is, uh, right. is, is the primary goal of winter, I think. Uh, so uh, do I need to be concerned if I, you know, feed and then go away for a while and come back or are birds, do they get habituated to needing the food or is it just a, like a little order for them? Well, I don't like to make this known in my line of work, but you know, backyard bird feeding, really, it's a selfish thing. It's what we do. We do it for ourselves. The birds don't need us. They don't necessarily need what we're feeding them. They can find it all in nature. They're perfectly adept. They've been around since the dinosaurs. They know, you know, they know how to find food. Um, so I don't worry about it. I know that some people do. You know, they consider their backyard 
feathered friends as family. And so personally, I don't worry about it. In fact, throughout the summer, I only put nectar feeders out. And that's, you know, summertime food is plentiful for the birds, especially. And I don't want to attract other kinds of birds. And so it's a time for me to just get a break from house sparrows and things like that. Sure. <laughs> so no, but you know, if, if you worry about it, um, you know, there are ways to get around it. Um, they actually make auto feeders now. Um, you can hang your feeder, put out a couple gallons of bird seed and it'll dispense it periodically. Um, so, you know, if that's something that people worry about, but honestly, no, it's just, it's not necessary. That, that's been my approach. <laughs> I, I like that. Thank you for confirming my uh, feel good about myself. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so the other question anyone's going to ask you is squirrels. You must get a million questions about squirrels. What, how, do you just feed them and not worry about it? Do you, do you have special feeders to avoid them? How do you deal with it? Well, some people think it's perfectly fine. You know, they don't mind feeding the squirrels. Some people will actually have a separate area just for the squirrels so the, the birds can just have their own little feeding area. And in our yard, we never, I never saw a squirrel in our yard until I put up feeders. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there, they were hiding. Yeah, I think if you don't want squirrels at your feeder, really the best defense is placement of your feeder. Um, you, they need to be at least jumping distance away from your largest tree. so. 10 to 15 feet away. I also like bird feeder poles, um, specifically the ones that come with a baffle, you know, a built-in baffle. Mm -hmm. The one I'm using now, um, it's actually made by a company called Squirrel Stopper. Um, this one, the baffle, the baffle actually bobs and weaves around. So oh. there, no squirrel has ever gotten to my bird feeder. So you can not um, only avoid the squirrels, but have fun teasing them. <laughs> yeah. What I don't recommend, and I've seen people put videos out because they thought it was really funny. Um, there's a feeder out there. I don't know who makes it, but it spins around. So somehow it detects when the squirrel has grabbed onto it and it spins them. I think that's hmm. cruel. Yeah, that's weird. But yeah, it's, but it's specifically marketed for, you know, keeping squirrels away. Um, but I, I just think there's easier ways. Okay. So besides your website, do you do, do you go to uh, birding fairs or other things or, you know, how, uh, how all consuming is your passion for a uh, bird feed? I would say it doesn't venture much outside my yard. <laughs> Good for you. Um, yeah. I, I want it to be fun because otherwise I'm not going to be interested in researching anymore and you know sharing what i learn with people if it becomes a job or a chore um you know with that said if there you know if there was an interesting symposium or a, a conference or something that you know i think would be interesting i wouldn't hesitate to go but it's right now it's they're not on my agenda very well good for you you've got a little balance so you're not you're not over the top that's good yeah exactly <laughs> so uh a beginning birder what do you what do you tell them to do you, you uh if i you know i go, move into a new house or even more somebody's just said you know those are cool i've got some birds in my yard now, maybe i should put up a bird feeder uh what you know should they just go to your website and figure it out or or do you have a video or what what do you tell them yeah i what i tell them is 
keep it simple at first, you know, you don't necessarily need to invest a lot of money. Um, especially if you're not too concerned about squirrels in the beginning, you know, there's plenty of time if you find that you're really into it and you want to expand your feeding or um, attract more species. The easiest thing is to just, you know, put out an inexpensive bird feeder pole. You can get them for like 30, 40 bucks on Amazon. A couple of feeders, maybe a finch feeder for thistle. And like I said before, a platform feeder. And probably black oil sunflower seed is widely accepted by most most species, including house sparrows, <laughs> my arch nemesis. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> But that'll attract a, a you know a good variety of birds and pretty inexpensive. I mean, I would say under fifty bucks just to get started. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any other things you want to make sure listeners hear about that uh, that maybe maybe we don't know about? Um. Well, as I learn things and want to share it with my audience, um, I do have an email list, and I, I do encourage people to to visit my site and get on my email list. I share current event things that are happening, um, things that they didn't know about. In my future, I see an email going out about window strikes. <laughs> so I think that's that's gone over very well. People, people really um, enjoy reading those emails. And um, just, you know, visit my site often. I've always got new, new and different things out there. Um, one other side interest of mine is bird symbolism and i write a lot about it on my on my website um you know there's a lot of different cultures and you know areas of the country and you know various religious groups that have for lack of a better word you know superstitions or symbolism behind certain species or certain things that birds do i find that really interesting fascinating so if that's something that interests you i have i write a lot about that on my website as well um it's kind of a fun side you know another fine fun angle to wild birds yeah so. birds pl birds play especially ravens and other birds play important roles in a lot of the creation stories of first peoples and that sort of thing so mm -hmm. it's uh it, it's pretty cool pretty much it's hard to go to a, a museum or exhibit about that without seeing you know thunderbirds out here and you know, ravens and different things that are important in the in the the cultural background so yeah, yeah. I, you'd be amazed at how many people wonder oh what does it mean when i see three bluebirds in my backyard <laughs> it's like somebody has an answer for that somewhere so it's pretty interesting <laughs> there's one more than when there were two <laughs> that's what it means i know well yeah. practically speaking <laughs> <laughs> it means you can count to three at least right yeah. very cool well tammy thank you so much for being a guest today i really appreciate talking to you it's fun uh, i think i yeah i don't know a lot of birders who don't uh do bird feeding at some point in their uh passing along through the birding story or uh, most of the time, really. So it's good to hear somebody who that's their one of their primary interests. And I'll make sure I put links to your website and such on the podcast notes and the blog post associated with this. So, Timmy, thanks so much for being a guest Thank today. You. I really appreciate it. You take sure. care. Nice talking you to too. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. As always, in the podcast notes and on the birdbanner.com blog post that accompanies this episode, you'll find links to many of the topics we discussed here and a lot more. Next episode, I'll get back to a more typical topic and guest with Alex Harper. Alex is a Las Vegas birder and a guide. 
there's a good chance you've visited Las Vegas or will at some time. Birding in that area may not be the primary attraction, but it can be pretty great, especially if you haven't met the Mojave Desert for a while. Subscribe to the Bird Banner Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app to not miss that or any future episodes. So until next time, thanks for listening, good birding, and good day. <laughs>